Okay, we're going to finish part three of our 100 Scientific Facts of the Bible. This past week, I don't know if any of you saw it, but Ken Ham, the founder of the Creation Museum we're going to visit, he debated Bill Nye, the science guy, a few days ago. Very good debate. But what I took out of it, one of the questions, they allowed the audience to ask questions at the end. And one of the questions to Bill Nye was, where does the conscience come from? And where other atheists and scientists would never answer. He answered it for all of them. He said, I don't know. And Ken Ham responded and says, well, I have a book talking about the Bible that explains where everything came from, including your conscience. You finally had someone who was really high up in the scientific community that was an atheist say, I don't know where a conscience comes from. And most atheists will tell you they will not debate creationists. And one of the reasons, along with evolutionists not able to explain a conscience, they cannot explain things like pleasure. And even the most complex chemicals do not experience bliss. However, the Bible states that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Pleasure is a gift from God. Psalm 36.8 says, They feast on the bounty of your house. You let them drink from your river of pure joy. First Timothy 6.17 says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. True joy. Not false joy. Or false pleasure. True joy, pleasure, and fulfillment only come from God and the relationship that you have with Him when you give your life to Christ. But what do people do? They do everything they can to fill that void that's in their life. And we know that God is the only one that can fill that. And we understand as Christians, we used to try to fill that void with things in our lives. Some not as destructive, but nothing would satisfy. Every addiction, person, thing, no matter what this world offers, can do nothing to please you. That only comes from the power of God. And last night, Stephanie and I were talking about all of the things that God has brought us through and how thankful we are because of it. And when you look at your life in retrospect and you look back, you kind of say, I can't believe I used to be like that. That is the power of God. 71. Life is more than matter and energy. Job 12, 7-10 says, But now ask the beasts, and they will teach you, and the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, and the fish of the sea will explain it to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Does not the ear test words and the mouth taste its food? Wisdom is with aged men and with length of days understanding all of God's creation except those he gave dominion over and understand that he is the one that did it. We know that if a creature is denied essentials of life, it dies. But animals and people we know can be resuscitated, but that's only for a short time. But even though its body may be perfectly intact, after a short time, it stays dead. Scripture agrees with the observable evidence when it states that only God can give the breath of life and only God can resurrect the dead. 
Luke 24, 6-7, what does it say? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Life could not be explained by raw materials, time, and chance alone, as evolutionists would lead us to believe. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. 1 Corinthians 15.45 says, So also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. And one of the things I took from that debate, Scripture is too simple for them. God's plan of telling us how he created everything is too simple for them. They think that they are too intellectually gifted to believe that it was that simple. That God said, here's what I did. Instead of them looking to the Bible and seeing, okay, how did God do this? How did he do it? They do the opposite. They say God didn't do it and try to explain God away. So obviously when you go at it in that way, what's going to happen? You're never going to find any truth. Science always changes. God never does. We know this. 72. The origin of music is explained. Evolution cannot explain the origin of music. Why would creatures who are supposedly dealing with survival of the fittest, why would they care about any music? Why would they care any harmonies, things like that? The Bible says that every good gift comes from God. This includes joyful melodies. You know, hymns we sing. Songs we play. God has given both man and angels the gift of music making. Singing is intended to express rejoicing in and worship of the Lord. Psalm 40 verse 3 says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. James 1.17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And Job 38.7 says, When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Psalm 95.1 and 2 says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving, and extol him with music and song. And there's some denominations out there that don't believe in musical instruments in church. When scripture says there was music, there was instruments. 73, our ancestors were not primitive. Archaeologists have discovered that our ancestors mined basically metal factories, created air-conditioned buildings, designed musical instruments, studied the stars, and much more. We know this. The evidence directly contradicts the theory of evolution, but agrees completely with God's word. Genesis 4, 20-22 says, Ada gave birth to Jabel. He was the father of those who lived in tents and raised livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who played string instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Naamah. Job 8, 8-10 says, Ask the former generation and find out what their ancestors learned. 
For we were born only yesterday and know nothing. And our days on earth are but a shadow. Will they not instruct you and tell you? Will they not bring forth words from their understanding? And then Job 12.12 says, Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? Tying in with that, number 74, cavemen were also described in the Bible. The ones that we supposedly came from. Well, 4,000 years ago, Job described certain vile men who were driven from society to forge among the brushes for survival and who live in the clefts of the valley and in caves of the earth and the rocks. Therefore, cavemen were simply outcasts and vagabonds. Not our primitive ancestors as evolutionists speculate. Job 30, 1 through 8 says, But now, they who are younger than I have me in derision, whose fathers I disdain to set with the dogs of my flock, yes, how could the strength of their hands profit me? They were men whose ripe age and vigor had perished. They are gaunt with want and famine. They gnaw the dry and barren ground or flee into the wilderness, into the gloom of wasteness and desolation. They pluck saltwort or mallows among the brushes and roots of the broom for their food or to warm them. They are driven from among men who shout after them as after a thief. They must dwell in the clefts of the frightful valleys and in holes of the earth and of the rocks. Among the bushes they bray and howl like wild animals. Beneath the prickly scrub they fling themselves and huddle together. Sons of the worthless and nameless, they have been scourged and crushed out of the land. Obviously, these would look like cavemen because they were scraping and, and doing everything they could to survive. Number 75. Environmental devastation of this planet is foreseen. Revelation 11:18 says, The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Though evolution imagines that things should be getting better, the Bible foresaw what is really occurring today. Pollution, destruction, corrupt dominion of the earth that was given to us. Number 76. The seed of a plant contains its life. Genesis 1.11 and also verse 29 then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself and on the earth. And it was so. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. As stated in the book of Genesis, we now recognize that inside the humble seed is life itself. Within the seed is a tiny factory of Amazing complexity. They can manipulate the seeds, is what they do, but they cannot create the same seed factory that God has created. And we also know that a seed must die to produce life. 1 Corinthians 15, 36-38 says, Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. And Jesus said in John twelve twenty four, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain, such as we do if we die to ourselves, Then we can produce fruit for the kingdom. In this verse, it's remarkable confirmation of two of the fundamental concepts in biology, that cells arise only from existing cells, and a grain must die to produce more grain. 
The fallen seed is surrounded by supporting cells from the old body. These supporting cells give their lives to provide nourishment to the inner kernel of the seed. Once planted, this inner kernel germinates, resulting in much grain, just as we must die to ourselves and give our lives to Christ so that we can truly be born again. Remember, Jesus told us, he who loses his life will gain it. In 78, the order of creation agrees with true science. Plants require sunlight, water, and minerals in order to survive. And in the first chapter of Genesis, we read that God created light first, then water, then soil, and then he created plant life. I think he knew what he was doing. 79, God created lights in the heavens for signs and seasons and for days and years. Genesis 1, 14-16 says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons, and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. He made the stars also. We now know that a year is the time required for the earth to travel once around the sun. The seasons are caused by the changing position of the earth in relation to the sun. The moon's phases follow one another in clock-like precision, constituting our calendar. Evolution teaches that the cosmos evolved by random choice, but Bible, our Bible agrees with the observable evidence. Number 80, the Bible speaks of heaven and the highest heavens. Deuteronomy 10.14 says, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. Long before the Hubble Space Telescope, Scripture spoke of the heaven of heavens and the third heaven. 1 Kings 8.27 says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built? 2 Corinthians 12, 2-4, Paul speaking, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. And we know that heaven consists of our immediate atmosphere, the vast reaches of the universe, as well as God's wonderful dwelling place, the third heaven, which is spoken of in Scripture. 81. Olive oil and wine are useful on wounds. Luke 10, 34 says, So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. That's, of course, the Good Samaritan. Jesus was telling of the Samaritan man who, when he came upon a wounded traveler, he bandaged him, pouring upon his wounds olive oil and wine. Today we know that wine contains ethyl alcohol and, and traces of methyl alcohol. Both are good disinfectants. Olive oil is also a uh, skin moisturizer and protector and a soothing lotion. This is common knowledge to us today. However, during the Middle Ages and right up to the early 20th century, Millions of people died because they didn't know how to treat and protect open wounds. 82. Man is fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Psalm 139, 14, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all written. The days fashioned me, when as yet there were none of them. And we're only beginning to scratch the surface of DNA. Your eye, your hand, your brain. How complex these are and how they try to imitate it, but they can't even come close. And there's no human invention that can come close to any part of God's creation. They can't create anything. They just use and manipulate God's creation that they say doesn't exist. 83. Something wonderful about scriptures is true beauty is understood. Not the world's understanding of beauty, but God's. Genesis 1.31 says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Matthew 6.25-33 says, Jesus told us, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the lost seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Beauty surrounds us. The true appreciation of God's beauty and his beautiful creation is a mystery to the evolutionist. However, scripture reveals that God creates beautiful things for our benefit and for his glory. Jesus Christ can make your shattered and bitter and broken life into something so beautiful that all creation will envy and adore you. Number 84. Strong and weak nuclear force explain and explain when you understand that Jesus is the source and sustainer of all life. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So if you start there, you're going to get it right. Hebrews 1, 1-3 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Physicists, they don't understand what binds atoms together. You know, they come up with theories all the time. 
Yet the Bible states that all things consist or are held together by our Creator, Christ Jesus. That makes sense to me. And we also uh, see that atomic fission is anticipated in Scripture. Second Peter three ten through thirteen says, "But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness?" looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And today we understand that if elements of an atom are loosed, we know there would be an enormous release of heat and energy. Obviously the atomic bomb. You see what happens when an atom split. Number 86, and this one's really neat. The Pleiades in the Orion star cluster is described in Job 38.31. The Pleiades star cluster is gravitationally bound, while the Orion star cluster is loose and disintegrating because the gravity of the cluster is not enough to bind the group together. But 4,000 years ago, God asked Job this. Can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades, or loose the belt of Orion. Yet it's only recently that we realize that the Pleiades are gravitationally bound, but Orion's stars are flying apart. And God said it so long ago. 87, safe drinking water. We know how essential that is. Leviticus 11, 33-36 says, Any earthen vessel into which any of them falls you shall break, and whatever is in it shall be unclean. In such a vessel any edible food upon which water falls becomes unclean, and any drink that may be drunk from it becomes unclean. And everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean, whether it is in an oven or cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean, and shall be unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern in which there is plenty of water shall be clean, but whatever touches any such carcass becomes unclean. If you have a glass of water and you drop a piece of raw chicken in it, you're not going to drink that water. You're going to dump it out, and you're going to put the glass in the sink. You're not even going to use the same glass. God forbade drinking from vessels or stagnant water that had been contaminated by coming into contact with a dead animal. It's only in the last 100 years that medical science has learned that contaminated water can cause typhoid, cholera, and many other diseases. But you still see in some third world countries, they still drink out of the same water that their animals are in, that they wash their clothes in, and just thankfully that there's Christians out there digging wells for them so they can have fresh water. Even pest control was covered in scripture. Number 88, Leviticus 25, 1 through 24. You can read that if you want. Farmers are plagued today with insects, yet God gave a surefire remedy to control pests centuries ago. Moses commanded Israel to set aside one year and seven when no crops were raised. There's a reason for that. But you see, a lot of farmers don't do that anymore. Insects winter in the stalks of last year's harvest, hatch in the spring, and are perpetuated by laying eggs in a new crop. If the crop is denied one year and seven, the pests have nothing to subsist on and thereby control. Along with the commandment in Leviticus that, that the land was to rest for a year. 
If only we'd heed the wisdom of Scripture. 89, there's also soil conservation, Leviticus 23:22. Not only was the land of life fallow every seventh year, but God also instructed farmers to leave the gleanings when reaping their fields and not to reap the corners or the sides of the field. This served several purposes. Vital soil minerals would be maintained. The hedgerow would limit wind erosion. The poor could eat the gleanings. Today, approximately 4 billion metric tons of soil is lost from U.S. croplands each year. Much of the soil depletion could be avoided if God's commands were followed. That's too simple. You know, the scientific folk, that's, that's too simple to follow what God said thousands of years ago. You know, number 90, animal instincts are understood. When you have time, read Job chapter 39. But in Jeremiah 8, 7, even the stork in the heaven knows her appointed times, and the turtle dove, the swift, and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. Animals know by the instincts God put in them. But what do we do as human beings? We, we run as far from God as we can. A newly hatched spider weaves an intricate web without being taught how to do it. A recently emerged butterfly somehow knows to navigate 2,500 miles on the migration route without a guide. God explained that he has endowed each creature with specific knowledge. Scripture, not evolution, explains animal instincts. 91. Animals do not have a conscience. Psalm 32, 8 and 9. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. A parrot can be taught to swear or say things, repeat, blaspheme, whatever you want the bird to do. Yet it will never feel conviction for that. No matter what you teach that parrot to say, it will not feel any conviction for what it's saying. Many animals will steal. You guys know how possums and raccoons are. But they don't feel any guilt for it. If man evolved from animals, then where did our conscience come from? That's what evolutionists cannot explain. I guarantee they will say we did not evolve a conscience. How could we? The Bible explains that man alone was created as a moral being in God's image. That's where our conscience came from. And we're also supposed to watch out for pseudoscience and evolutionary teaching. That, that was told in Scripture a long time ago. Paul, 1 Timothy 6.20, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. People that are straddling the fence, lukewarm Christians, and, and I don't understand. Basically, theistic evolution, how you can, you know, they think God created evolution. This is what he's telling you. You've got to watch out for this because what happens is this type of teaching will, will stray people from Scripture because they'll be duped into this religion of evolution. And it is a religion because it's a belief system. Because they have not observed any of this that they have touted. They base it on faith, not observable science. And no matter what they say, 
The theory of evolution contradicts observable evidence. The Bible warned us in advance that there would be those who would profess profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge or science. True science agrees with our Creator's word. 93, science confirms the Bible. That was the point of this whole series, was that science does nothing but confirm Scripture. Colossians 2, 2-4 says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, these insights place the Bible far above every man-made theory and all other so-called inspired books. And since we realize as Christians that we have a conscience and where it comes from, it can also be understood. Romans two twelve through 16 says, For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them, in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. The Bible reveals that God has impressed his moral law into every human heart. Con means with, and science means knowledge. Conscience means with knowledge. We know it's wrong to murder, lie, steal. Even non-believers and atheists know that these things are morally wrong. They can say, no, it's against the, the laws of the state or of the country. But if you wash that away, and I've heard this asked, well, if there were no laws in this country, say you live somewhere, would it be okay for you to murder someone or steal from them? And you wouldn't feel any guilt about it. You know, a lot of times they'd say, you know, they'd say no or whatever. But you know better. How would they feel if someone came and murdered their wife or their child or stole from them? I bet they'd call the police because they knew what that person did was wrong. And the Bible explains that each human has a God-given knowledge, conscience of right and wrong as to where Mr. Nye in the debate says, I don't know where conscience comes from. But he recognized that it is there. 95. Love explained as the entire canvas of Scripture displays it. In John 3.16, we know what that says. Evolution cannot explain love. Yet God's Word reveals that the very purpose of our existence is to know and love God and our fellow man. God is love, and we were created in His image to reflect His love. The real you is a spirit. Personality is non-physical. For example, after a heart transplant, the recipient does not receive the donor's character. An amputee is not half the person he was before losing his limbs. Our eternal nature is spirit, heart, soul, and mind. The Bible tells us that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. 97. The cause of suffering is revealed. 
The earth is subject to misery, which appears at odds with our wonderfully designed universe. However, the Bible, not evolution, explains the origin of suffering. When mankind rebelled against God, the curse resulted, introducing affliction, pain, and death into the world. Atheist funny man George Carlin, I'm sure you guys know who he was. And he was funny. But he died in 2008. And he said, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but i got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is wrong here. War, disease, death. Destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption. Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed, he said. And then Ray Comfort says of this comment by Carlin. He says, when an atheist rejects Genesis 1 about creation, he automatically rejects Genesis 3 about the fall of mankind. God created all things perfect. But when Adam sinned against God, it brought God's curse on all of creation. Thus, disease, suffering, pain, and death are ultimately the fault of man, not God. Reject that explanation and you end up with a philosophy similar to George Carlin. The sufferings of this world shouldn't be used as an excuse to reject the scriptures, but should be seen as a very real evidence that what the Bible says is true. 98. Death is explained. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everyone dies. Unless the rapture happens. We're hoping on that pretty soon. The Bible alone explains why we die. In Ezekiel 18.20 it says the soul who sins shall die. Sin is transgression of God's law. This is why we die. Without Christ we die in our sins and spend eternity separated from God. And I always wondered, people who don't believe in God, they think you just hear you die. Because what's at the end? You did all that for nothing. Everything that you're doing is for nothing if you believe that. There has to be more. And we know, as Christians, that there is more. 99. Justice is understood. Our God-given conscience reveals that all sin will be judged. Down deep, we know that he who created the eyes sees every secret sin. He who formed our mind remembers our past offenses if it just occurred. God has declared that the penalty for sin is death. Physical death comes first, then the second death, which is eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. That's in Revelation 21.8. God cannot lie. Every sin will be judged. His justice demands it. But God is also rich in mercy to all who call upon his name. He has made a way for justice to be served and mercy to be shown. And lastly of this series, 100, eternal life revealed and the solution to suffering. Scientists search in vain for the cure for aging and death. That fountain of youth that they're never going to find. Yet the good news is that God, who is the source of all life, has made a way to freely forgive us so that we may live forever with him in heaven. But God demonstrates his own love towards us 
And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's Romans 5.8. God desires a loving, eternal relationship with each person. Free from sin, fear, and pain. Therefore, we know he sent his son to die for us. As our substitute on the cross. Jesus never sinned. Therefore, he alone qualified to pay the penalty for our sins on the cross. He died in our place. Put weight on that. Our place. Your place. My place. He died where we should have died. He then rose from the grave defeating death. All who turn from their sins and trust him will be saved. Read your Bible daily. Obeying what you read. You can read it. We have to obey it. God will never let us down. Neither evolution nor religion offers a solution to suffering. But God offers heaven as a gift to all who trust in his Son in heaven. And we know in heaven God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Revelation 21.4 